today on the Travel Guys. Put the microphone over here closer there, to there me. I'd go. be able to give the headlines All here. Right. Today on the Travel Guys. You didn't have to start over. I could have picked it up from there. Okay. Uh, in the travel news, you should should you be canceling your trip to Hawaii due to the volcano? And American Airlines says yes to miniature horses, but no to goats, snakes, and insects. Updates in our Humane Society segment coming up. The summer vacation season is definitely upon us. And one other thing that will be upon us in the travel, as we travel this summer, and that, of course, is crowds. How do you avoid them? Is it possible? Chris Elliott joins us at 3.20 to discuss how to avoid the crowds this summer. Chris does double duty today as we discuss a new topic, reverse ratings. Is your Airbnb host or your Uber driver giving you a bad rating? How does that affect your chances of renting or riding later on? Reverse ratings at 335. Do you travel with a breathing device like maybe a CPAP machine? Well, Ed Perkins is on hand at 345 to offer some ideas on how to make your CPAP a friendly traveling companion. Finally, at 350, if you're a hiker or a biker, we have some exciting news about a new trail in the Napa Valley. It's 3 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us here for the latest edition of The Travel Guys. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again Welcome, everyone. We are the Travel Guys. Mark Hoffman and Sam Romano with you, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Thank you for uh, taking a couple of minutes out of your day to join us. Mark, good to see you. It's been a while. Uh, by process of elimination, I must be Mark Hoffman. What did I say? Well, you said you were Tom Romano and Mark Hoffman, and oh, I'm not yeah. Tom Romano, so that means I must be <laughs> okay, Mark Okay, you are Mark Hoffman. I am Tom Romano. You Mark- said it right. I just... Mark- <laughs> I've been stumbling here since the microphone was halfway across the room when I started to read the headlines because you know that's kind of my my close up moment there. There you go. And, uh, you know you uh, you look uh, well rested uh, even though you've been gone for like three forever. Weeks. Yeah. You know, I, do you know that I have nineteen pair of underwear? You know how I know that because I wore a pair before I left. I was gone seventeen days and there was one pair waiting for me when I got home. So that's how <laughs> I cannot take longer than a seventeen day trip or otherwise we're talking. You know something? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you have to do like some people do and uh, wear them, uh, wear them inside out one day. Try so to figure you can out get which ones days. are the cleanest. And, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back. Tell me a little bit about your uh, your outing. Uh, and- lots of baseball. Um, went to Cooperstown and had a good time. And the Giants didn't win any games. The A's won when we were watching the A's play. So we had a great time. I'm headed out this evening right after the show to the biggest travel show in the country. Uh, the United States sells itself to the rest of the world. It's something called IPW, International Powwow. I'm not ex- sure exactly how the powwow thing came about, except that international visitors for years, cowboys and Indians in Hollywood have been big on their, when they come to the United States, there's nothing like cowboys and Indians in other countries. 
I suppose cowboys and Native Americans would be a more politically correct way to say that. There you that. go, yeah. But nonetheless, that's, that, that's something that they're always intrigued about. Uh, places like Cheyenne, Wyoming, and, and things like that are really interesting to them. So I'm going to Denver for a couple of days. I will bring us back some good interviews of uh, cool places to visit here in the United States and probably bring home a few ideas for good places to take my sports leisure travelers to. You, how about you? I, 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 somebody told me to ask you about your pigeon. Yes, this is very important. This is very important. We're really digressing. You're driving off. down the street. Stop and pull over. Okay, I'll make this quick because I know we got a lot of travel news. Uh, a pigeon has uh, decided to uh, reside in, in my backyard. Now, this isn't any every ordinary day pigeon. This is what would be referred, I, I looked this up, is called a fancy pigeon. It's a got fancy a lot of feathers on its feet and uh-huh. it's brightly colored white and gray and why and your yard yes i don't know and it's got a pink uh, wristband on one leg which leads me to believe that it may belong to someone uh-huh. so if you're missing a pigeon or if you would like a pigeon that you could i can't catch it but it seems like it could be catchable you know i'm i just don't want a pigeon all summer long it's kind of a novelty but the and once it's decided to start residing in my gazebo and uh, it, it's no longer it's no longer fun. The Romano pigeon. Yeah. So, uh, what should I do? Send them to uh, I don't know. Send me an email. To I don't Travel know. Take Guys them on Radio. an airplane with you. I think it's a it's a support pigeon. There that's, you go. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I do. We better get to the travel news. All right. <laughs> Send me an email at Travel Guys Radio, and, and I'll get you a pigeon. Mark now with the travel news. You just have the one pigeon, though, so it's uh, only available to the first person who applies. That is correct. And you have to come and catch your own pigeon. That That's is also important correct. also to know that. <laughs> Mono, the pigeon at the Romano residence. Okay, here's some serious uh, uh, travel news here. Um, this is kind of good news. If you are a fan of iHeartRadio, which is this radio station, is part of the iHeartRadio Corporation. That's what they call themselves. And they have stations all over the country. You know this because you work here. Absolutely. Hundreds of stations all over the country that play all kinds of music, news, anything that you could possibly want. Starting very soon, when you fly on Southwest Airlines and you hook up to their Wi-Fi, you will be able to hook into iHeartRadio. So you'll be able to listen to KFBK or any station from around the country. Uh, You could even listen to a Travel Guys radio podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Heaven forbid that you would not have anything better to do with your time on an airplane than (laughs) listen to a travel. You can. uh, They are going to create special stations like uh, Pass the Time and Kid Zone for in-flight listening. Uh, You will be able to listen to things off of your iHeartRadio app. So this is pretty cool news. I mean, it really... And here's another cool thing about it. And they pointed this out. Once you hook up to the radio station... You can browse other things, so you can be listening to the radio mm-hmm. while you browse your email or something else on this. So this is really kind of a, a cool thing for people who fly a lot on Southwest Airlines. You want to make sure you have the Southwest app and the iHeartRadio app on your phone before you take off. I have that to fly this evening. Of course, I'm flying United, so I probably won't get a Southwest signal on my plane. Probably not. <laughs> um, speaking of Southwest, if you're flying out of Oakland... This is a pilot program, could show up in Sacramento. If you're flying out of Oakland and you have to wait more than 10 minutes at TSA PreCheck, Southwest will give you 2,500 Rapid Rewards points for free. Wow. And you don't even have to prove that you were in line more than 10 minutes. You, you download the app before you go through security in Oakland. 
If it takes more than 10 minutes, you go online, you get a a voucher at the Oakland airport. It has a number on it. You redeem your code and you get 2,500 miles. And Southwest is going to take your word for it. No kidding. Yeah. So this is kind of a cool idea. What they're saying is if you fly with us and you have to wait a long time, I don't consider 10 minutes to be a long time, but if you have to wait anything more than a few minutes, we're going to reward. It's kind of like Delta saying if your bag doesn't show up in 20 minutes, we'll give you a voucher if it's good on your next trip. It's not exactly a refund, but still it's something that would apply the next time. United uh, gives you the finger if you, you know, if the bag... United's bags have never shown up in 20 minutes. United got rid of all of their their union baggage handlers in Sacramento a couple of years ago. So if you're wondering, when you fly United and you wonder why it takes forever the bags to come up, it's because the people who work out there make a lot less than the people who work for the other airlines. In fact, the guy from United told me one day, he said, every time we get a good guy, who works, somebody who's really good here, they last eight weeks and then they're working for Southwest because Southwest has benefits and pays more and all that kind of stuff. So wow. You're wondering why that is that your bags never come. Anyways, uh, TSA, speaking of airports, has created a secret watch list for unruly passengers. Heard about this. If you do something bad, nasty at TSA, they might just write it down, put you on the list. And if the next time you come through, you do something bad and you're on that list, then they're going to take you in the corner and just beat the tar out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but it, they're they're composing a list. So far, there's only a couple hundred names on it. Uh, they are doing this to protect their employees. Um, I'm sorry, there are fewer than 50 names on the list so far. Last year, there were 34 assaults on TSA officials. United Airlines has reversed some menu changes. I'm guessing this applies to first-class folks. Um, amid customer backlash... It doesn't say exactly why, but here's another thing, and this might have to do with the coach passengers on United. For some reason, they eliminated tomato juice. Now, I don't know if you know this. We did. We talked about this a we long did. time the, ago on this program. What was the deal about tomato, tomato juice? Tomato juice was, uh... is, is disproportionately requested on airplane flights, and nobody exactly knows why. But it is a very popular drink in the sky. Right, so United, right. for some a, reason, a snappy tom. Well, now that's a spicy tomato juice. Yes, now sir. you're you're really going upscale on me there. But <laughs> anyways, um, United says that passengers can expect the tomato juice back by the summer, possibly as soon as July, because United is listening to you. So if they're really listening to me, why don't they get off their butt, go down to the grocery store, buy some tomato juice, and put it on the damn airplane? Why do you have to wait till July to get tomato juice? Back on the airplane, do you like to use the uh, the hot tub or the pool when you go uh, hoteling? Uh, yeah, I do, but no, I don't, because uh, yeah. I know where you're headed you know with where this. I'm headed. This is a big yeah. thing here. Making This beloved hotel amenity could be making you sick. Yeah. Uh, here's the bottom line. We won't go into great detail. Um, people get into pools who have maybe perhaps some sort of digestive issue. And they're having that issue, and some of those germs get in the pool, and you get in the pool and you swallow that water, and those germs can stay active for a week. So here's the deal with hotel pools and hot tubs. If you go into one, when you get back to your room, you shower immediately. Yes, and you do not do not, uh, do not not put your head under the water. No. And no. it'll avoid ending up swallowing in a, any of it. Uh, exactly. Uh, especially so, under the water in the hot tub. That's some cool really stuff bad. on TravelGuysRadio.com. If you have never been, if you've never used an Airbnb, but you've thought about it, and you're like, how do I do, how does this actually work? If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, there is an article there. You'll scroll down and see tips for a smooth Airbnb experience. It explains all about how to be a good Airbnb guest, how to choose a property, how to do your homework, all of that kind of stuff. Travelguysradio.com tips for a smooth 
Airbnb experience if you're a new airbnb -er. The 2018 cruise season in Alaska is expected to break all records. There are going to be about 50 extra cruise line stops in Alaska this year, 567. Uh, 37 ships will bring 1.3 million passengers to Alaska. If you don't think the cruise business is big business, ask somebody in Alaska. And finally, the worst airports for the summer here. Trend 12 worst airports. Where's the middle page of this? The 10 worst airports will be talked about later on in the program. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I've got page 3 and page 10, but okay. page... The airports is missing. Okay, well, we'll, we'll cover those. And for the, in the meantime, that's... If I uh, find it, it'll be breaking news. Okay, in the meantime, that's your travel news for today. <laughs> Chris Elliott joins us next. We're going to talk about how to avoid crowds. You can believe it when you summer vacation this year. there it's mark hoffman and tom romano he's mark i'm tom we're brought to you by sports leisure vacations and again time to bring on consumer advocate special guest christopher elliott you got special issues with either travel or anything else related to consumer uh, advocacy chris elliott is is your man and our special guest today christopher welcome back to the travel guys thank you good to be back Hey, it's nice to have you. You're still roaming the country with three children in tow? Yes, uh, we are in <laughs> South Dakota today, just outside of Rapid City, and we're about to go see the baby bison down in Custer State Park this afternoon. Oh, so, oh wow, yeah. cool. You're in, in one of my favorite areas because when folks say, you know, what are your favorite spots to visit in the United States, I always put Crazy Horse Memorial very high on my list because about 70 years ago, a man attacked a mountain with a jackhammer. And now they're getting fairly close to having an incredible sculpture of, of a Native American. So I always, when, when you when you mention the Black Hills and South Dakota and stuff, Crazy Horse always comes to mind. Oh, it's beautiful here. Yeah, highly recommend it. Chris, you are there in May, which brings us to one of our topics for today. You wrote a a column about uh, why you should travel now before things start to get crazy. And we've talked a lot here on the Travel Guys about tourism booms and about how some places are getting more tourists than they can deal with and about how the fact of, of looking at shoulder seasons and off seasons and stuff might be a great idea. I thought your article addressed that terrifically. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your thoughts about traveling at non-peak times. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you asked me about that because – Tourist season is just about to start. We have maybe a few weeks left before things start getting a little crazy. And then after the 4th of July, forget about it. And, uh, you know, you go to places that are heavily impacted. Just before we went on the air, you talked about Zion National Park. We were actually in St. George, which is just south of Zion, back in October of last year. And it was so beautiful. No one was there. It was You could go to the grocery store, and there was and there were no lines. But right now, you know, just as tourist season gets underway, it's going to get really, really crowded, really difficult to enjoy a national park when everyone else is there. So my recommendation is go when no one else is going. Uh, go during the fall, the spring. Uh, even the winter is beautiful with all the snow in the mountains. But stay away from peak season because everyone else is going to want to be there. Um, so I, in, in my column, I actually gave a couple of examples of, uh, you know, ways to get around that. And, and, you know, one of the things I also said was 
if you have to go during season, and let's face it, some people have school schedules or work schedules, there still are ways around that. You can go um, visit the destination at a time of the day when no one else is going to be there, too. So that's another you know, good piece of advice is don't go when everyone else is going during the day. Uh, you know, Everyone likes to show up at 10 a.m. Maybe you should show up at uh, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., and, and when the place is still empty. Chris, you also talked about a strategy in your column of how to recognize what the peak dates might be. In specific, you talked about um, Disney's annual pass and, and, and that providing some keys as to when you might want to and might not want to go to the parks. Every Monday, I have a, an online chat in the Washington Post where I answer questions from readers. And this one comes up a lot. It's people want to know when is a good time to go to insert name of destination. And for a place like Orlando or, um, you know, any of the Disney cities, there's actually a very specific answer to that question. Disney has annual passes for state residents. And if you go to the annual pass calendar, you can see what the blockout dates are. Those are days when you can't use your silver pass because there are too many people. It's a heavily, it's a heavy day for the park, a lot of visitors. So you can actually tell what the right days are to visit and which days to avoid. And uh, people don't know this, that a, a destination like, like Orlando or uh, like Disney in particular will actually give that information away. Uh, it's not something they advertise, but you can go online and you can look it up there. It's, it's pretty cool. So but it's an opportunity to be able to do your homework and get just a little bit smarter than the next guy down the road. You're in South Dakota. Uh, in a few weeks, when school gets out, uh, South Dakota is going to be swarmed by people. Yeah. And from about the third week of June until, the, until Labor Day, it's going to be a zoo there. And the quality of the experience is going to suffer a lot. You mentioned, uh, Chris, lines and grocery stores, and, and nobody likes to go on vacation and not be able to get into a restaurant or um, have their hotel be a total circus because it's busting at the seams and, and things of that sort. So what we're trying to do here is just encourage people to take a look at your favorite destination in the shoulder season or the off-season. National parks in Utah uh, are spectacular in the wintertime. Uh, when snow covers Bryce Canyon National Park, uh, it, it's one of the greatest places to go in the entire country. Is there any place that you would like to go that having a crowd there and having people around you and it is is actually a value? You know, is there a place oh, you wow. want to where we're... That's we're, an interesting question. Yeah, yeah I, I, mean, I mean, there are places I, I, I would imagine that you don't want to go to... to uh, Nevada and uh, for around Burning Man and not be there at Burning Man because that's everyone there or or a concert like Coachella, a festival of any kind. You you want to be there when everyone else is there. Obviously, um, some of the motorcycle events that come through a place like South Dakota, uh, you can really feel the energy of having like you know a ten thousand Harley Davidsons riding down I ninety, which is kind of neat. Um, that's when, yeah, you definitely want to be there. But then there are other times when you, you just don't want to be there. Um, Ocean City uh, on the 4th of July weekend in Maryland, forget about it. Um, you know, you can go to Ocean City in the first week of September, still get nice temperatures, but no crowds. And you can then also go to all the restaurants and you don't have to wait an hour and a half for a table. Well, I think the important thing here, it's it, guys, is that what we're trying to help 
people be a little smarter traveler is by suggesting to them that maybe they do their homework and try to investigate and see when is everybody else going. Disney issues these passes to people, these annual passes to, to local residents because they want to fill the park on non-peak days and they don't want you to come on the days when everybody else is there so naturally they create some restrictions that that steer the people towards the dates that they want and you by getting a copy by getting your hands on that list can see what are the peak days and what are the non-peak days so if you have that much flexibility you can avoid going to the parks on those very very peak days you also uh, there are some some places that are more weekend places there are some places that are seven day a week places and and uh Amsterdam in the Netherlands jumps out at me as a place where Europe goes to spend its weekends. The central station in Amsterdam on Friday night and Saturday morning every weekend has this inhuman wave coming out of it. And consequently, on Sunday night and early Monday morning, same thing, the human wave going back the other way. Amsterdam is definitely a, a bigger destination on the weekend if I were going there and I wanted to spend a few days in town, I would try to go during the week as opposed to on the weekend, and I would probably try to go in a shoulder at a shoulder time. Chris, anything else that we've forgotten here before we, we move on? Any other wisdoms that you'd like to share about avoiding peak seasons? No, I really like what you said about uh, Amsterdam. I, I think you know, the thing about this, these Disney silver passes that I mentioned is that you, you can use that to uh, make assumptions about the entire destination. So if it's a busy day at Disney, chances are it's going to be a busy day in Orlando. So you might want to plan your entire vacation around those days. Uh, for for me, as I look at the calendar, uh, July and August are really busy. So you might want to, and, and they're also very warm. So you might want to plan for something in September or October. Uh, Chris, we need to take a break. Will you hang around with us for a, a, a minute? And we'll talk about the revenge of the travel industry, how online reviews are being reversed. Can you stick with us? You bet. Sure. Okay, and uh, by the way, uh, TravelGuysRadio.com, uh, links to uh, Chris's website right there. Before we go back to him, I, I, found, my, I found my airport list. Uh, it's, these are the worst airports for summer travel. These would be the worst airports for any travel, anytime. Mm -hmm. United States, worst, Newark. Second worst, LaGuardia. Third worst, San Francisco. Fourth worst, JFK, I, that all lines up perfectly. Um, fifth worst for the summer travel, on-time record, Boston. Sixth, O'Hare. Miami, Washington, D.C., Raleigh-Durham, and Philadelphia. Other than Raleigh-Durham, those are all cities that would be bad cities to fly in and out of any time of the year, never mind summer. When we come back from the break, Chris Elliott is uh, still on the phone with us, and we are going to talk about reverse ratings. How bad is it when... when Someone writes you up, and you don't even know it. Reverse ratings coming up right after the news on The Travel Guys. And uh, by the way, uh, both Mark and Chris have had bad reviews. You can hear all about it in about four <laughs> minutes right here on The Travel Guys. Let's find out what the world's going on with the KFBK News. Welcome back. We are The Travel Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Pleasure to join you on this Sunday afternoon. Our guest is Chris Elliott. Chris is Consumer Advocate Deluxe, and he has joined us today. We were talking about uh, previously about visiting during the off-season or shoulder seasons of some of the more popular uh, tourism destinations. And now I want to talk about switch gears here, Chris, and talk about a different subject. Um, you have pointed out that the travel industry is kind of turning the table on travelers, and in some cases, the industry is starting to review the traveler, and that may impact uh, 
how some of us how some of us write our own reviews and what happens to us when we try to call up some of these services. Talk a little bit about the revenge of the travel industry, online reviews of you, the traveler. Yeah, this is a little bit disturbing because it happened to me. Um, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But essentially, now there's a, if, in the sharing economy, there are, there's an opportunity for the owner or the manager of a home or the driver of a car to leave a review for you, and that review follows you around uh, on your account for uh, the rest of your existence with that company. So, for example, with Airbnb, if you rent an Airbnb and maybe you misbehave, then the uh, owner or the host has an opportunity to say, hey, this person didn't behave very well, terrible guest, leave you a one-star review or whatever it is, and then the next time you try to rent from uh, an Airbnb, you're not going to be able to do that. This sounds like a really good idea in theory, but in practice, it's being used by the industry, and by the industry I mean by the hosts, to uh, manipulate their own reviews and to um, also, I think, just punish people that they don't like. And um, you're probably going to ask me to tell my story, so I'll give it to you really quickly. I stayed at an Airbnb <laughs> in Colorado Springs. <laughs> The when we checked in, the owner showed up. Uh, the first thing she said was, "Here's a scoop. Go feed my cat while you're here." And the second thing she said, she said was, "Because of you, I don't have a place to live now, and I have to move in with a friend." This is kind of a weird situation. <laughs> wow! Um, wow! <laughs> yeah. I ended up um, at the end of my visit. It was it, it was a it was an interesting visit. Let's just say I ended up saying, "Look, I'm better. I'm probably just not going to review this." Um, but what I'm going to do, uh, what I did was I actually I inadvertently um, took the keys of, to the house with me. And when I realized I'd taken the keys, I immediately mailed them back to her. So she, she ended up leaving a bad review for me. Uh, I didn't leave mm-hmm. a review, but she left a review. And the review basically said that Chris and his family are better suited to hotel stays. So Ooh. after this mm-hmm. ran, uh, after the, this went on my account, um, I got a notification from Airbnb saying that we understand that you've gotten a bad review. This may affect your ability to uh, rent another Airbnb from us in the future. My response was, you know what? I don't need to deal with this. So I deleted my account. Well, I have a quick question here. Now, like, for instance, if you have a... Uh an issue with a, a credit score. Um, perhaps there was an error there or whatever, and you, you end up with, a, if you will, a bad review on your credit report. As a, uh, you, can, you can amend, you can add notes, you can add something to it to say, you know, the reason I was late on this payment was because I was hospitalized or whatever it may be. Um, you know, a little caveat. With a bad review, like with Airbnb, is there a place for you to put a footnote? No, there is not, not for Airbnb, not for Uber, not for any of the uh, sharing services. And this is where I was talking about the possibility of manipulation. If customers know that they're being reviewed, they're far less likely to leave a critical review because they're afraid. And, you know, Airbnb's case, it's a double-blind review, so you don't know what they're saying. They don't know what you're saying. But still, it's the chilling effect of knowing that possibly someone is going to, if you don't say something nice, that they'll figure out someone is saying something not so nice that, you know, kind of like the old days of the Soviet Union where you have mutually assured destruction, no one is really saying anything. And by not saying anything, you're actually maybe uh, preventing really useful information from being passed along to the next guest. 
if you're afraid to put a bad review down for fear that the person will then take that review and say something bad about you that you have no way to rebut, it impacts your ability to get a ride share sometime in the future. So in addition to the you said you deleted your account from Airbnb, which of course means you won't be an Airbnb customer anymore. Um, any other tips for folks in regards to this sticky situation that you've yeah, kind of you know, in? That's kind of the nuclear option, and I, I only did it after realizing that there was no, first of all, there was no future in having a relationship with Airbnb, but that's a much more complex story, and I'm going to wait to tell that one later. But yeah, there are ways that you can, you can deal with. First of all, it means it means that you just have to be a good guest. So you mind your manners, mind use your pleases and thank yous, that kind of thing. I, I think that the, also you have to be much more picky about who you're going to do business with. Uh, if you have a choice between, say, an Airbnb and a VRBO or a HomeAway or Vacasa, maybe you want to go with one that's not going to review you and um, uh, allow the reviews to be just one-sided. Um, I think, by the way, if you ask me that uh, reviewing guests is really not the best idea, I can see how it would benefit some of the hosts, but it is not good for consumers. No one really cares if you're a guest, a good guest or not, but I think a lot of people care if the accommodations or if the ride was good, and that's a legitimate customer service that an, a sharing company can provide, and they should consider doing, con consider actually continuing that. But uh, the whole act of reviewing your own customers is just seems a little bit off to me. Do you think, Chris, that moving forward uh, that, and I can see it happening this way, is that people will just stop doing business with those that are being, that are doing reverse reviewing? Very unfortunate. I can see why they're doing it. You know, a sharing company really isn't there for us. Uh, we're, we're just the, the dollar signs. They're there for the hosts and the drivers. Uh, they're rating us the same way that we're rating them. And, uh, and and after only one, I mean, in my situation, only one stay where I happened to pack the, the host's key, uh, she uh, let loose with the review and suddenly I'm not able to rent any more Airbnbs. I just don't think that that's right. The sooner that they come to that conclusion and realize that we're the ones who are actually paying the bills, maybe they'll they'll figure out a way of tweaking the review system so that it's a little bit less, I don't know, objectionable. Maybe you just forgot to feed the cat. You don't. You didn't think that was maybe. Maybe the cat starved to no, death. Or something. You, no, you know, I, I, I fed the cat. I, it was a great cat. I fed the cat. Um, I, I I told the uh, host that I was sorry that she didn't have a place to live. I felt guilty being there. I mean, it was really a, not a good situation. Yeah. She had no business being a, an Airbnb host. Chris Elliott, thank you for all of your time today. You can find more about what Chris does at Elliott.org. That's two L's and two T's. Uh, you can also read Chris's column every Sunday on the travel page of the Sacramento Bee. Thank you again for all of your time today, my friend. Thanks so much. You know, I never return the uh, those the key cards to the hotels yeah. when I leave. Do you think they've you got think? a list? You're you're on every list there yeah, is. I'm I? certain of it. Oh my god! There's only 50 people on the TSA list, and I think you are still on it. You're you're you're, you're on it. Your wife isn't on it, but I think they've already got your your number. All right, let's it's fast times here on the travel guys. We talked about traveling with a CPAP machine, a breathing device, basically. Joining us on the phone right now is our friend Ed Perkins. Ed, you wrote this article about traveling with a CPAP machine. I know a lot of people who travel with these machines now. Help us understand a little bit uh, of what folks need to need, know if they're traveling with a breathing machine. Okay. Well, first of all, let's talk about 
flying with it. Uh, federal law requires that airlines and, and TSA uh, cooperate with people who need medical devices and take them on trips. So uh, it's just a question of how you deal with it. And the CPAP machine, as a delicate and expensive piece of machinery, you should never put it in your checked baggage. Uh, carry it in a separate bag, which normally does not count against your baggage allowance, and uh, just expect TSA to take a close look at it and maybe swipe it with one of those uh, weathered towels or whatever they call well, whatever it. Whatever that is that they do. I never can figure that out. Eh? It's, supposed to, it's supposed to detect traces of explosives. There you go. But... Uh, so that should, getting on the airplane should not be a problem. Um, the second situation is on the airplane. If you're on an overnight or if for some other reason you need the machine during flight, um, you can have a problem with power if you're not prepared. Because these days you never know whether an airplane you're getting on has any power at the seat at all, uh, or if it's maybe just one outlet that has to be shared by two other or three other people. Um, so my take on it, the airline has to allow you to use it, uh, although some of them want an advance notice. But to be safe, my strong recommendation is that you either get a battery pack for your regular machine, or if you travel a fair amount, um, get a special smaller machine with battery pack that you use just for travel. And that will take care of almost any situation. And then the final situation is if you're going outside the country, uh, what about power? Well, that's usually not a problem these days uh, because almost all small electric devices now use a switching type power supply that can accept anything from 100 to a 250 volts. So all you need to worry about is an adapter plug that will allow you to plug it into whatever uh, socket is the right model for the country in which you're, which you're visiting. It, well, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, one of the things that I've uh, discovered, uh, Ed, is that if you ha have a POC, a personal oxygen concentrator, similar to a CPAP, but uh, uh, the airlines uh, will oftentimes in, insist that you have not one but two charged batteries uh, because if it's if, if you need this to be you know for use on a regular basis uh, they want to make sure that you have enough power uh, to use your oxygen machine uh, if for any reason that you're delayed and you're stuck on the tarmac and cannot uh, exit the plane for a long period of time so uh, if you're traveling with a POC uh, th that's battery powered be sure your batteries are charged and you have a couple of them that's a very, very good suggestion. I mean, when you, and that would apply to any sort of medical device that's life critical. Mm -hmm. It kind of, uh, it kind of sounds like this is a do your homework thing, Ed. I mean, it, it, <laughs> if you've got one of these devices, you, you, you can't really depend on just getting on the airplane and oh, here I am, and you know, I might have a problem. You, you, you sort of need to do your homework. Yeah, but my guess is if you've got a life-threatening medical condition, you pretty well know what you've got to do, and. Uh, as you say, the one thing you need, if, if you've got something electrically powered and it is absolutely necessary for you that you'll have serious problems if it doesn't work, uh, you better have at least one battery backup.
Ed Perkins, thank you so much for your expertise on a very important issue. More and more folks are traveling with these types of machines. So thank you for your expertise, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Always good to talk to you guys. Yeah, same here, Ed. Stay well. Okay, coming up on the Travel Guys, uh, we're going to go for a little walk. It's, well, and maybe we might jump on the bike. It's the Vine Trail from Napa Valley. That's next here on the Travel Guys. Welcome, everyone. You have the Travel Guys on your radio. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano were brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, and it's time to talk once more about getting out on the trail, a little biking, a little walking, very close to home. Mark, uh, introduce our guest. Yeah, the opportunity to get out and enjoy the Napa Valley a little bit. Joining us today is Chuck McMinn. Chuck is the chairman of the Rail Arts District in Napa and the Napa Valley Vine Trail, which is um, our subject for today. Welcome to the Travel Guys, Chuck. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. It's nice to have you. Now, this is something that folks can use, the Vine Trail. Help me with this here. It's a fairly long-distance thing for hiking and biking. That's correct. Uh, the Vine Trail is our project to, to build a 47-mile hiking and biking trail through the Napa Valley from one end to the other. And how is it coming so far? So far, we're about halfway done after about 10 years. Uh, so about 20 miles of the 47 miles are complete, including our largest single connected segment, which goes from the south end of Napa to the north end of Yonville. So this is something that, Chuck, if, if folks wanted to enjoy part of the trail, give us an idea. What's the, the best way? Is there a parking? Is there parking for folks at certain places? How can that be done? Actually, there's plenty of parking all along the, this particular route of the Vine Trail. The, the 12 and a half miles from Napa to Yonville starts in the south at Kennedy Park, which is a great, wonderful park in the south end of the city of Napa with lots of parking. Uh, then it goes up through town, diagonally across town through our rail art district. Then it goes north along Solano Avenue with three different uh, park and ride lots all the way up to Yonville. So the trail, it sounds like, is incredibly accessible all along the way. Tell me what you say that you finished about half of it. Uh, tell me what finished looks like. What, what, what improvements have you made? What have you done to create the trail? Great. So that's a great question. So first, it, the, this is not for the professional bike rider this, or the professional marathon runner. This is for you, the average person who wouldn't ride a bicycle on the side of a major highway. So this is completely safe. It's 10 feet wide, asphalt, a couple of unpaved shoulders for the runners, uh, and uh, it is completely non-motorized. The only thing you'll see there is people, uh, people on bikes or people uh, on their, in their sneakers. Chuck, uh, along the trail, are there places to stop? Is there water available? Uh, any chance to get a snack? Uh, and if not, is that part of the part of the plan in the build-out? Actually, we are constructing all those kind of facilities as well. We have rest stops. We have four of them right now where you can stop, get water, work on your bike. We've got a, a free set of bike tools that are every rest stop. Uh, we also, the, the route also goes past, uh, you know, many of the highlights of the Napa Valley, from wineries to restaurants to, to bike shops to uh, ice cream, you know, parlors. So, and they're all, we keep track of all of those on our 
mobile app, the Vine Trail mobile app. We have that available for i for uh, iOS devices right now and soon for Android devices. But you can actually actually look up and uh, see what's around you and find the destination you're looking for. Chuck, there's a small part of the trail that you have enhanced perhaps even further, the, the rail arts district that's along the trail. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's exactly right. There, Of that 20 miles between... Uh, Yonville and Napa. There's a two-mile stretch in the city of Napa where the railroad crosses town. And as in most railroads in, in cities, what's facing the tracks is uh, big cement walls with not much on them, but not any longer as we've started to paint those walls with murals and other art installations. We have six uh, large-scale murals up to 100 feet by 25 feet in height. And we also have wrapped all of the wine train's signal boxes, all the boxes that control the, the uh, crossing arms with uh, 12 different pieces of art from local artists. So you can enjoy an, a, a free outdoor linear me- art museum while you uh, get some exercise. Chuck McMinn is our guest today. Chuck is the chairman of the Rail Arts District and the Napa Valley Vine Trail. Uh, you can go to travelguysradio.com and uh, find a link to everything there. Tom, one last question? Yes, uh, Chuck, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned uh, there are wineries along the trail that you can actually stop uh, and go into? That's correct. So we've. I did a equestrian uh, wine tour up in Oregon. This, this fascinates me. So I can go bike riding, uh, stop along the way, and uh, go to the wineries. Uh, how many do you anticipate you'll be able to visit? Well, when, when the entire Vine Trail is complete, the Vine Trail will pass around 100 of Napa Valley's wineries. That's wow. awesome. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that is incredible. Chuck, congratulations. This sounds uh, really like something that a lot of people will be able to use. I mean, hikers, bikers, walkers, uh, you name it. Congratulations on something pretty cool. Again, there will be links at TravelGuysRadio.com. If you're driving around and, and don't have time to write it all down, we will fix you up right there. Chuck, thanks for joining us on the Travel Guys today. My pleasure. Once again, uh, go to TravelGuysRadio.com, uh, link to the Vine Trail. Is she topless? Uh, I'm, I'm very look, excited is she, about Is she this. topless on there? Can you oh, see? Oh, you this picture you have on the TravelGuysRadio.com. We have a, uh-huh. a beach photo. And if you look real close, I think there's a topless yeah, person Melissa, because we were talking about crowds. Yeah, so there's, there's a guy with no, uh, she was, no trunk. She was, <laughs> she was trying to find a picture of a big crowd. Big crowd uh, all yeah, uh, Travel uh, Guys. TravelGuysRadio.com. Listen, there are some great things there. Uh, I told you about the tips for a smooth Airbnb experience. It, there's a thing there about is it safe to travel to Hawaii right now? Um, American is Airlines. It, is it safe to? Yes, to? it is. And and really and truly. Because I've um, got that, you know, two for one thing going. It's blowing off of the south end of the big island, and right now it's not a problem. If it ten, if, if the If the winds shift... And it blows the VOG back over the islands, VOG, combination of fog and smog, um, that could be a, a little bit of a problem. Yes, I would say that's a, that could be a problem. So you just have to keep an eye on it. Uh, remember, their, their economy over there is completely tied uh, pretty much to tourism. We mentioned earlier about American Airlines, about saying that they had updated their pet policy now. You can take a miniature horse on the plane. 
if it's your support animal, but you better better do your homework. American Airlines has lined up their stuff with the other carriers. And if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, if you're a frequent traveler and you're thinking about changing airlines, there's a great guide there to elite status matches. We will are out of time, but we will talk more about that on this program next week. All right. Final words, Mark. Dance like nobody's watching. We'll be back next week here to help make you a smarter traveler. Again, visit us at Travel Guys radio.com. See you next time. Stay well.